What's going on? Welcome to the Sports Q one more time, another episode. My name is CG here with Texas Mike once again. Texas Mike, what's going on? It's still hot. It's still July. Yeah, I mean, we've just eclipsed record heat here in the city of Houston in the recorded history, 106. Are you cranking, up, are you cranking up that thermostat? 70, what is it, 78? No, no, I think my upstairs unit is uh, probably running out of Freon by now. I probably got to get a service call, and that's most likely what's going to be happening with my AC. It's a so good it's, time to be in the air conditioning business, I would say. It's a good time to be anywhere but Houston this time of year. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us, check it out, hit that subscribe button, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Going to talk about a few things, but my friend, I just watched Hustle. Have you seen Hustle yet? The Adam Sandler movie on Netflix. No, I need to. I, it, I've been crazy busy trying to catch up on some stuff, but yeah, I've been watching some pirate stuff, and I, I'm going to switch to that next. Some pirate stuff, but see, so it, oddly, the Hustle, when you take a look at the movie, this it, it looks like an extended shoe commercial or something like that, because it's littered with nothing but pro ball players. He puts them in all these movies. This is the question that I wanted to pose to you, though. Adam Sandler has a very fond love there's no question basketball is his sport that dude loves to play basketball he loves to be around basketball um he dresses down he seems like a really laid-back guy he's now done his this would be his he likes sports movies but he does, this is his second basketball movie that i can think of a note right because uh, he, he does the uncut gems very much centered around basketball and betting and now he does Hustle, which is very much centered around not only basketball, but basketball in the Philadelphia region and, and, and basketball players. Is it possible with his net worth and the way that he continues to make money and he keeps cranking out movies because this man, he continues to just produce, he continues to put out product partly because of his contractual obligations, but I think he enjoys doing it and he enjoys doing these types of movies. Could we see Adam Sandler buy into or own his own basketball team someday in the NBA? Oh, I could see him being a co-owner of a franchise for sure. I mean, he's definitely got the pockets. I mean, could he put together the type of pool where he's the lead owner, the lead investor, like Michael Jordan? I mean, never say never. It's just the values of the franchise get up there. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, when you're talking any NBA franchise now is worth at least $2 billion. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of capital. It is, but the guy's made a ton of money. He seems to live a very I don't want to say modest life. The guy probably takes care of himself, takes care of his family, but he doesn't act like a guy that just flaunts his money around. He's obviously got the money. He's obviously doing his thing. Is it just the pressure and the stress though that comes along with owning an actual NBA franchise that the guy probably wants zero part of? I mean, it would be very difficult to be engaged in both. You know, the creative element and doing everything that he's doing and, and, and pr producing and acting and then being a hands-on owner because he would probably want to be a hands-on owner. He would definitely be an activist. He wouldn't be, you know, one of your kind of Les Alexander, the former owner of the Rockets, kind of, kind of hands off the wheel. I hire the people and take care of it. I think he would definitely be a guy that would be interested in learning what's going on and getting in the details and running the franchise. I don't think he could do both, but yeah, I, I could see it at some point where he puts a group together and picks up one of the teams. I mean, ultimately you're going to have expansion in the NBA. We know that's coming. It's just a question of it. It probably would have come by now if, if COVID never occurred. But I, I think ultimately the 32 team model, as I've stated on this podcast over and over is the best 
for the North American sports scene. So yeah, it would be pretty cool if he was uh, part of a, like I said, an expansion franchise in some what, way. What about you? If you could own a team, any sport, which one would you want to own? I would, uh, I'd want to own a football team. I mean, to me, the building of a football team is. <laughs> now, 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 uh, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. You're a huge Premier League guy, so you got to, you got to specify what kind of football we're talking. Oh about. no, American football. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, that's. I'm not enough of an analytics like guru to like build the ultimate soccer roster. It's a completely different ball game than it used to be. But I feel like I could spot some talent in college football. I've watched so much of that during the course of my life that it would be a natural fit. <laughs> it's funny that you say that you're not an expert at, at constructing a, a lineup, but I know that you've got your your fantasy in uh, soccer coming up in the football Premier League. It's it's right around the corner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. DK Premier Club is going to take over and start the second season. So I think we are up to 26 teams for this campaign. So should be interesting. Looking for some more. I'm hoping to be back on the top of the league and the, the competition is very stout and some of my strategies that were just so awesome out the gate last year um you know they kind of leveled off a little bit but you know coming into this season I, I scored a lot of points I think I was the third highest point scorer in the league throughout the entire year so you know I'm a contender Look out, DK Premier Rivals. I'm sure they will be uh, hunting down your tactics and looking at your strategies as you get involved. Are you a good golfer? How are you at golf? The best I ever was when I was playing at least three times a month, and I was probably going the range at least once a month. This is when I lived very close to the Memorial Park Golf Facility in Houston, and me and Jordan were playing and I was playing with my late father-in-law a lot. I was playing a lot with people in oil and gas. I got down to about a 16 handicap. Like I, I could consistently hit under, like if I was playing well, I would hit under 90 and no BS, no mulligans, stuff like that. That's probably the best now. And I haven't played around in 15 months, but the last time I played, I broke a hundred barely. And I was really pleased with that. And I felt like I was getting the bug again, but man, it's tough sometimes to get out on the course and, this is not the time of the year you want to start down here. I was just wondering if you were getting good enough or if you could uh, pick up the links again and you could just start on like a five-day practice kind of basis and, and, and send in your application to Live Golf and try to join the tour. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I said. Uh, the party scene of Live Golf, showing their private planes and hanging out, living the good life, taking the money and run. No, I mean, it's a good gig if you can get it, man. I mean, seriously, I, professional golf is the way to go. I mean, if you can get on the live, you can get out of the open and just start slapping the ball around and seeing what happens. That would be, in my case, slapping the ball around. I mean, these guys, it's a little different. Yeah, it's pretty impressive how live golf has just basically uh, interrupted the marketplace and just shattered uh, some of the play. But let's that takes us kind of into the next thing we're going to talk about. When we talk about the British Open as it's gotten underway and it started yesterday or today, excuse me, it started today. Uh, but talking about this tournament, first of all, talk about how it's affected by the certain golfers that, you know, aren't around basically well yeah i mean it's i mean you're playing you know, it's the 150th british open right at, at the old course at st andrews the original the, where the where the game began uh so that type of course really plays a premium on accuracy 
you know, it's old school links, right? You got to hit the greens and you got to be able to scramble a little bit because it's going to be hard to hit the greens sometimes because they're small because it's an old school course. So it's, uh, it looks like the first round, a lot of the players, you know, they, they went pretty low, but that can be expected. I mean, Scotland, the weather can be a little bit feisty. So there's been a lot of good golf so far. Oh, I think yeah. about it, and, and think about it too. Live golf didn't have an impact on the British Open, right? I mean, all those guys are still playing in this major. Well, yes, yes. The Open, right? The the Open does not discriminate based on that. It does, has nothing to do with the PGA Tour. Remember, right. the Open is it's the Open, right? Okay. It is the championship of British golf. So, 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 so it's interesting though. The one thing that I do I do want to point out the Live Golf thing, and I'll get off it once we we can move on from that, but. It seems to have lit a fire under Rory McIlroy. Are we starting to see kind of a, a, a resurgence of him returning to top form? He was always dealing with kind of the club issues and what the equipment he was using, and then he had a, other things going on. Maybe it was just kind of going through his youth and going through some of those growing pains. But Rory seems like he's back, and he's back with a vengeance a bit. Yeah, he is. I mean, in his younger days, he had all that drama with his girlfriend and you know, he seemed to be kind of growing into himself and playing effectively, but it's definitely lit a fire in him. I mean, he, he's one of those guys that I would have thought, I thought it would go one of two ways for him. Either he would come out super hot like he has, minus six, just on fire. Or I thought that there was a distinct possibility, and this is the approach I took in DFS, was to fade him because when it was a Royal Port Rush last time in Northern Ireland, he really choked. And that was a performance that he would like to forget. And I, I took the perspective that he was going to go on that side of the coin. I was definitely wrong. When he started out as minus six, he's in second place. Obviously, in the mix, this course fits his game because he can scramble and he's accurate. And, and that's two of the big – big components of success in link style golf especially the old course when you start taking a look at some of the top names that are on the list is there somebody that's jumping out to you like hey this is a guy that's really going to make some noise you see dustin johnson's in the mix obviously a, a, a live guy there at minus four you got lee westwood kind of hovering around uh, you got some of the familiar names you see bryson dechambeau he's going to be at minus three so a lot of familiar names towards the top, I guess. You kind of get some of these names that you're not totally familiar with, but guys that are very good golfers. Who do you see kind of uh, getting out of this? Who do you see really making a run? And who do you think ends up hoisting the trophy on uh, on Sunday? Or Saturday, I guess it would be for us. Well, one, one guy that I thought was a dark horse to watch, and he's sitting right now at minus three, five to 13, Xander Shoffley. And it's the same kind of thing, fit of game to the course. You know, he, he's a guy that, that has a lot of control of the ball and, and will hit greens and irons and, and, and can scramble when things go bad and limit damage. And that's how you get these low scores. And if the weather's good out there, the scores can get pretty low. I mean, this is not a massive course. So it's uh, – I like him to win the tournament before it all started – Going in the first round, I I liked as a as kind of a betting favorite dark horse Jordan Spieth. He's sitting at minus one and thirty fifth. He he can still run up. He didn't really make any mistakes, but he wasn't really aggressive. So you know, looking looking at that, I don't know. You know what? Like at this point, I'm gonna go with Rory. Right? I, I said I faded him DFS, but I, I thought he was a good fit. But he had that good first round. He's feeling it. These other guys do have a pedigree, but 
they're not roaring. So let, let, let's that'll go for my pick. All right, I'll roll with DJ, and we'll just see if the uh, golf world can spin on its head, basically, if a live guy and the, the media gets what they want, basically, and get absolute chaos at the top. We'll see what ends up happening there. That's the end of segment one. We'll come right back. Quick break here, and we'll be back on the Sports Cube. Rudy's Metals in Sacramento, California, is your one stop for all your metal needs. It's your metal recycling center. Copper, brass, aluminum, steel, tin, and much, much more. You can call them today at 916-912-0487. They're located at 750 Richards Boulevard in Sacramento, California. If you are on the West Coast, Rudy's Metals is your spot. You can get cash for your metals today. Check out rudysmetals.com. And we're back one more time. CG Texas Mike segment number two here on the Sports Cube. Don't forget to hit that subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Check us out. Follow us. Hit that uh, link. Whatever you need to do. Tell your friends and family. Take a listen. Tell us you like us. Tell us you hate us. Whatever it needs to be. All right. I just got the emails. It's that time of the season, Mike. Fantasy football is right around the corner. Teams are not even in training camp yet, but things are starting to get revved up. You're starting to see people start to connect with their friends. You see the group text messages all start happening now. Uh, who's going to be in the league? This is what's going to be our uh, the things that we're going to be offering in the league. These are going to be the way the points are. And then there's always the ever popular, if anybody has any rule change submissions that they would like in the league, now is the time to submit those. Have you ever, you, you've got it. You've been a part of one of these groups. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, we've tweaked with, like, keeper systems and stuff like that. I mean, yes, yes. I mean, you're right. Like, we, we've set the draft date. That that happened during this week. We're looking at an August 27th launch in Louisiana. So we're going to see how it all goes down. It's always an exciting time of year. I don't really start my personal draft prepping at all until probably the first preseason game. That's what I start to look at a little bit. So you guys are getting out on the field. You can see what's going on. But, you know, it's never too early to dive in. And there's just a lot of talk about it. And there's a lot of uncertainty at some of these positions as well. It does seem like quarterbacks is deep, 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 deep. It seems like quarterbacks, you can really, really maybe wait on a quarterback. You can kind of take your time as far as whether you're getting a top guy. I mean, the point differential between a top guy versus a guy that's probably 15th ranked, I I mean, it could be not that significant. It seems like I always somehow end up with Kirk Cousins and, and on my squad at some point, whether he's a backup or whether he's my number one. Uh, and it's sometimes infuriating, but you know there are games where he puts up a lot of stats, and then there's other games where he puts up one seventy-five and one interception. You know what I mean? So you need that consistency at that level at the quarterback position, but the running back position. I think the running back position is starting to come back into play significantly here in fantasy football because you are starting to see standouts. And I'm seeing a lot of people talk about one running back in particular that he's going to go number one in a lot of drafts. And, of course, I'm talking about Jonathan Taylor. What are your thoughts on that? Is he the number one overall pick coming in? Uh, It's a tough call, but, you know, I'm okay with that. He gets volume. He gets pass catches. He has – a very solid offensive line. He's going to get a lot of short yardage opportunities and he's not in the most difficult division in football. And he was my keeper last year. Is it going to affect him at all? I seem to remember Matt Ryan loves to be in the shotgun as opposed to being under center all the time. 
No, that's true. I mean, I mean, is that going to affect anything? Any, 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 will it affect affect it in any way? No, I think you can. It's not that difficult to scheme the run game if you got a good line, and that's the thing. Like the Colts do have a good line. That's why it makes sense to get a Matt Ryan, take a little pressure off him. You know he can perform, and and, and let the horses work. And that division, as you know, being down here in Houston for a while, is a complete joke. <laughs> Just leave it at that. No, no additional, no addition needs to be added on. Uh, here's another question: Will we have any resolution with the Deshaun Watson situation before all these people start doing their fantasy drafts? Because, of course, that's what matters really when it comes down to it. People are going to go nuts if they don't know what the Deshaun Watson decision is going to be as far as the suspension is concerned. I, I do believe that the league will rule before at least my fantasy draft on August 27th, which will be a couple of weeks prior to the season. I think by the time you get into the preseason, the league will have, there's a lot of pressure on the league to hurry up with this investigation and just set the record straight. So you, like, if you want to suspend him for a year, you can't hamstrung the Browns too bad. Like you can't keep them in limbo. They have to prepare for their season. They have to know what their roster is and if their multi-million dollar quarterback is going to be a part of it or not and i, I think the league will move swiftly I, w- I would hope like i said by the time preseason games are going that they've already said at least you know early august i guess if i was gonna wager deandre hopkins how much is his suspension going to factor into people drafting where does he end up going how much how far do you let him slide uh, because you know he is going to return and presumably he's going to return and he's going to play like a top five receiver in theory. In theory, but I, you know, I think DeAndre is the kind of receiver that needs to get his work. And this is going to severely diminish his value to a lot of people. I think potentially, I mean, he relies so much on route using his body and just using superior hands and body position and route running. And those are things, those are feel things, in my opinion. And when you're going up against the number one corner like he is, it's going to be hard to get separation. And you're talking about Kyler Murray is not exactly Aaron Rodgers with accuracy or Tom Brady with accuracy where he's going to place the ball where he knows DeAndre will get it. So I, I, I really haven't looked at probably what round or where he would go yet, but I, 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 probably put him as a like i said a potential disappointment for this season interesting that you're talking about bust because are there some guys that are jumping off the page a little bit to you that either are giving some warning signals that there may be a bust potential to be happening there uh maybe there's a boom guy that you think that's actually going to go off and and really put up some big numbers is there anybody this early still early in the stage and still early in the game because like we said we're just starting to get contact about fantasy football again uh is there anybody that's jumping off the page to you that you say hmm big time boom big time bust you know that's a tough call looking at these positions here i think rogers I mean, he's he's at the top of most people's lists. I, you know, I, I'm not going to disagree with that, Chris. I mean, it, it, it's one of those where you're also sealing Kyler Murray for that exact reason we're talking about. Diminished production from DeAndre Hopkins. We've also seen that James Conner is on, like, every single running back bust list, and that's just not a good appetite. And we know that division out there in the, in the NFC West is just crazy stacked. I mean, the teams that they – you know, there's some defenses out there, so we'll, we'll see how it goes for them. 
What do you think, uh, Russell Wilson, how do you think that's going to shape up there in Denver, changing locations? Where's he going to be settled in? He's kind of that, he's a strange quarterback. He always seemed like when it came to playoff time or like the championships in fantasy football, he ended up being on a lot of people's teams because you were able to get, and this is what we're talking about with the quarterbacks, you were able to build so much quality with your receivers, your tight ends, your running backs, your other positions. And Russell Wilson was always kind of this guy that kind of went under the radar. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's going to hit you with some rushing TDs. He's going to hit you with some of those rushing yards. He's still going to be able to throw the ball. He's going to throw for TDs as well. He's still going to put up big stats. And he's not going to be, I mean, what do I say? Is he going to go in the top three rounds of many drafts, Russell Wilson? No, no, I, I never believe in taking a quarterback that high. That that position, there's really, really, not even a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. No, I, wow. I think you need to get you need to get two running backs. I kind of have an old school. That there's just not enough bell cow guys that also get the catches. So, depending on how you do your keepers, affects the strategy a little bit. But no, I mean, out of your first couple picks, if one of them your keepers is not a running back, you need to get a couple because if you don't. You can some you can get receivers, steals, but it's pretty rare that somebody's going to become some completely highly touted top first round, you know, top twelve pick in fantasy the following year from nothing, right? So it, it, it's a position that I prioritize. You talk about I think Russell golfing. Wilson's good though, man. I mean, I, I like him in fantasy because he gets you. He's so good at getting those kind of, you know, I don't want to say garbage yards, but he gets 30, 40 yards rushing every time just on safe scrambles and runs it in from time to time. Yeah, he's going to be playing in a different conference, different division. We'll see how that does end up shaking out. But Russell Wilson is still a baller. There is no doubting that. Talking about the Dolphins, who's going to be affected more? Somebody's going to have to see some sort of regression. Is it going to be Jalen Waddle? Is it going to be Tyreek Hill? I don't think both of them are going to be able to have top 10 type receiver type output for a fantasy football season with Tua under center. Who's going to be affected more there? You know, if you're going to compare Waddle or Hill, I'm going to say it's Hill because – Look, Waddle's already had some time to develop rapport in the offense. You're right. Th th those guys are, are, are speed guys. They like to slash over the middle. They, they could correlate both downward from each other's production because that's, I mean, like in Tyreek Hill's case, I mean, seriously, you go from Mahomes to Tua, that's a joke. I mean, one, one is a future Hall of Famer. The other might not be a starting quarterback next season. So, and, and, and I like Tua, and I love what Tyreek did for the Chiefs. I just didn't understand. It seems like Hill and Waddle are the same type of receiver. It just does. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's what I said. They played the same Waddle's role even when he was at Bama with Tua. This is the kind of the same thing. They're running him on those cross routes to try to free him up and use his speed. And that's the main thing with Tyreek. Like, yeah, he, he, he's good on those little little dig routes and, the, and those little quick posts and things that he can get open fast. But they're both guys that you want to get into space. Like, you're not going to be running deep outside ball over and over unless there's a mismatch. You know what I mean? Like, it's a little obvious. Like, both guys are burners. So, I don't know. I'll say that Tyreek, it's, it's going to take longer to get that chemistry with Tua. And there's a significant downgrade from Mahomes. And let's talk about the last thing here that I'm going to hit on here on this fantasy football conversation. We have plenty of these throughout the season. 17th, 18th round. You've pretty much filled your entire roster. 
you got the kicker. Maybe you're going with some sort of flyer pick. Do you stash Rob Gronkowski on your team and just say, eh, let me let him hang out here for a little bit and see uh, if Tom's able to change his mind? You know, Chris, depending on your roster size, that might not be a bad idea because taking a tight end with your last round pick is typically what I do. And there is a very good chance that he decides after training camp that, you know what, <laughs> I could get in shape pretty quick and I could be productive this season and my body's not going to be crap. And, oh, yeah, Tom's still playing. So, you know, as long as you, you, you know, your roster size is not too restricted, then, yeah, take a flyer. I mean, shoot, it's a Gronk. He's the best tight end of all time. All time? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Over Travis Kelsey? Yes. Gronk has been when Gronk was at his over dominant, Antonio over Antonio Gates. Gronk, I'm talking at peak domination. That's how I. Okay, this is a good conversation to have because this is how I judge it. Whoever the best player is all time in football, where the careers can be truncated, right? It's like the Jim Brown rule. Like Jim Brown is still considered the best running back of all time, but. He, he could have kept playing and playing, but becoming an actor and getting paid in Hollywood was much more lucrative than the gridiron in those days. So we don't penalize him for that, right? So to me, the Gronk at his peak is the best tight end ever because he's 6'7". He's got this massive wingspan. He's a devastating blocker. He And the clutch, I mean, just guaranteed to win the matchup. And there's not been, yes, if you want to talk longevity, of career putting up numbers. I mean, Antonio Gates is great. Kelsey is a future Hall of Famer to me. He's almost a Hall of Famer now. And, you know, maybe could surpass. Kelsey's really good. I've seen him completely destroy the Texans in embarrassing fashion multiple times with my own eyes. So I do not diminish his skills or his talent whatsoever. I'm just saying, if you're going to pick, because of the physical presence and what he does and what he does at his peak, but – Kelsey could, like I said, surpass that arc with a longer career. Even better than Kyle Brady? Famous pick from Penn State, New York Jets. <laughs> First rounder out of Penn State, baby. <clears throat> One of the greatest tight end selections on oh NFL drafts coverage. Oh, it was fantastic. All right, that's another segment here on the Sports Queue. We're going to be right back. Our third and final segment coming up here on the Sports Queue. Rudy's Metals in Sacramento, California is your one stop for all your metal needs. It's your metal recycling center. Copper, brass, aluminum, steel, tin, and much, much more. You can call them today at 916-912-0487. They're located at 750 Richards Boulevard in Sacramento, California. If you are on the West Coast, Rudy's Metals is your spot. You can get cash for your metals today. Check out rudysmetals.com. And we're back one more time here. Third and final segment on the sports queue as we get into this last segment. We're going to talk more about tight ends. We're also going to talk about uh, Texas Mike's history as far as his tight end prowess and his four touchdown game, Al Bundy style, making it happen. We'll talk about that. It wasn't Polk High, was it? That's not where you played. <laughs> 
no, no. I and mean, that was a whole season. I never had a four <laughs> touchdown game. Oh. That was the best season. I had four <laughs> touchdowns, baby. You're no Al Bundy. All right. Let's take a look at the all-star rosters, Major League Baseball 2022. Uh, any surprising names to jump off the page here? I mean, let's take a look at the AL first. Uh, we're taking a look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jose Altuve, Rafael Devers, uh, Tim Anderson, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Giancarlo Stanton, Shohei Otani, uh, are the, and Alejandro Kirk, how about that? Catcher Toronto getting in there. Um, people love Alejandro Kirk, by the way. They just love the way that he plays baseball. Any surprises there? Taking a look at that lineup. Uh, obviously, it seems like there's some obvious ones, but are there any surprises on that list? I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a solid roster right there. I mean, yeah. you know, you really, you really can't complain <laughs> with that team. That, that, that is a powerhouse team. Altuve, he's really – he's gotten back to form this year. He's been solid. Um, No, I don't disagree with any of this. And and like you said, Kirk is a great story. Um, There's another crazy thing with Vlad Jr. being on there. Basically, I can't remember what game milestone he's at, if it's 1,000 games or whatever, but his stats are almost identical to his father. Like, it is scary. So that's – I like that AL team. I really do. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those picks make sense. Aaron Judge is having a monster season. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, we've talked about this. It's got to be just terribly frustrating for the Angels that they've got these two guys on their team, starters in the All-Star game, and they're just not good because every other team that you're seeing there, decent. Toronto just fired their manager. uh, But these are winning baseball teams. Angels are not. I mean, the Angels are 19 games out to the Astros. And they're about to lose another one. They're losing three to two in maybe a tenth. So this is this is a dire situation over there when you consider that you're probably I don't know, after that last pitching performance by Otani and he mowed down the Astros the other night, he he's gotta be the favorite now for the MVP. I mean, you're gonna have back to back MVPs in a Ruthian character, and you're 19 games behind the Astros in your own division. And you actually have fan support, revenue, attendance, beautiful Southern California weather. Like, there's no excuses. And the only game, and the only games that they're winning are the ones that he's pitching in. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, they're pretty much like, yeah, win one, lose two every series. (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, You talk about the reserves, Uh, Miguel Cabrera. He he gets in there as the the legacy (laughs) selection, as they've called it. Uh, You start taking a look at Trevino. Uh, Arias out of Minnesota, Jimenez, Cleveland, Ramirez, Bogart, Seeger, Byron Buxton, a little surprising. It, it, was there just no room in the outfield? Because I felt like he was kind of possibly in that starter conversation. Well, he got off to a real fast start, and then he got injured for a little bit. Yep, and then he, yep. he bounced back nicely. So when you think about, all right, I mean, Trout is Trout, Judge, I mean, he these are like larger life characters. Right. Who's he going to supplant? Who's he going to replace? Right. Giancarlo has been, <clears throat> has been healthy and great. He's, he's really locked in on the baseball. <clears throat> I love that close stance and he can still pull the ball. I'm like, that guy's bat speed is crazy. Then you get Kyle Tucker, George Springer, Ben Attendee, Julio Rodriguez, my guy. Uh, and then your guy, MVP conversation, not going to be a starter, but you're done. You're done Alvarez. Yeah. The, right after we recorded that podcast, Essentially, he went on the injured list. He had two monster <laughs> games, and then and then his hand started to hurt from taking a take. He had this like weird 
pitch and he fouled it off and he started shaking his hand. I guess it just got worse and worse and worse. So I think he'll be fine after the all-star break. He's not going to miss too much. I love seeing Kyle Tucker on there. First time Astro. I, I, I've been a big fan of Kyle Tucker basically since they drafted him. I've talked on this podcast about his high school scouting report and swing like Ted Williams for him to get his first all-star nod. I mean, he, he's looking like a 30-30 guy. I mean, he, he's got that type of ability. And in the modern game, Trevino, that's a great story. I mean, you go from basically journeyman, minor leaguer, and you're a catcher in the all-star game. So Julio Rodriguez, who, remember in our fantasy baseball episode. Yeah, number one player, number one. Number one guy. Making that selection, he has looked like a godsend. So, yeah, the, the, I, you know, I really like this roster. Looking at the pitchers, can't complain. All these guys are really good. <laughs> Yeah, you take a look at Verlander, you take a look at Garrett Cole, Shohei, he's obviously going to get an inning. Uh, where do they go? I mean, do we just see a repeat? Do we see uh, who's going to start the game? Who do, who, do, who do you think they're going to run out there? Or have they announced that yet? No, they, no, they haven't announced it yet. Um, I think they're due to announce it maybe tomorrow. Um, Otani has publicly <clears throat> lobbied for it. It's got, it's got to be him, right? I yeah, mean, I mean, if he wants to do it, I, I would let him. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, it's like, it's like he doesn't leave you decisions anymore because you really can't go wrong with anybody that you want to run out there. But if you're the starter, everybody's just going to be clamoring for Shohei Otani to get in. So you might as well just get it out of the way, get him in there, let him throw an inning, uh, and and get out of the, you know and and say say bye-bye uh relievers are on there okay let's move to the national league now and let's talk about some of those guys uh wilson Contreras, goldschmidt jazz chisel you know he's he's made it now uh as a second baseman he's he's broken into that starting lineup manny machado trey turner acuna jock peterson mookie betts and then bryce harper obviously not going to play uh with the injury albert pujols the legacy selection and going to be in the home run derby so this might be a uh, albert pujols celebration this weekend or excuse me all-star weekend yeah, this is, I mean, this is it for pool holes. Um, it's going to be cool to see him and Miggy the Piggy go out together. I mean, old <laughs> nemesis from back in the day. I mean, those dudes have been battling it out since like 2006. They're going to be here at the All-Star game one final time. I mean, to me, that's probably the most compelling. I do not like Albert Pujols, obviously, for all the years that the Houston Astros were in the NL. And those were some very bitter rivalries during – who that mid 2000s the Roger Clemens era so I'm never going to root for him I mean that ball is still in orbit somewhere outside of <laughs> the juice box but I love Cabrera and you know I like these picks for the NL I really do <clears throat> it feels like really a very do. NL team it feels like a very NL team outside of Mookie Betts like it just feels like a, a National League all-star team because I'm always going to see Mookie Betts as a Red Sox well I mean, simply put, the NL is not as good as the AL. I mean, when you just look at the roster, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a baseball snob here. I mean, Manny Machado, who we've talked about, he is my favorite for the MVP in the NL. And I, I think that's going to continue because what he's doing without Tatis is is really outstanding. And, he, you know, he's had a reputation as kind of a slacker sometimes in his career, maybe somebody that didn't always put it forth. He's definitely going to get it done. You know, we obviously got a lot of Dodger blue here. I don't know. I mean, the hail is just better. 
Who do you like on the reserves? I mean, yeah, you take a look at Juan Soto. I think he's the one that jumps out to you. He's he's he would be a potential guy that I could see winning an MVP type situation in the All Star game. You know, I I could see him popping one over the wall. I could see him playing a couple innings, uh, and I could also see him just kind of reminding everybody that he's still there. You know, Juan Soto for a while there was the hottest guy the hottest name in baseball for some time. Washington has really struggled. I think that that's hurt him a little bit. There's even trade talk, I think, about Juan Soto. Do you think anything of that? Do you think that there's any way that that happens? If you are the general manager of the Washington Nationals and you trade Juan Soto, what is he now, 23, 24? Yeah. He started when he was 19. Yeah. So you're going to let that guy go in his prime? There, you, you can't afford that, Right in the modern baseball dynamic, not in the capital. You have to get the checkbook out and, and make that right. Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree, but I'm still hearing uh, and, and you're reading some of this chatter. Uh, you get Pete Alonzo, you know, the polar bear in there, Arenado, a lot of the very similar familiar names. Dansby Swanson making the all-star reserves. I dropped him from my fantasy roster very early in the season. He was just playing terrible. Uh, I wanted no parts of Dansby Swanson. I had no room for him, and now he's an all-star, of course. Now you take a look at this pitcher, starters, and the relievers, uh, a lot of the same. We start talking about that. Who's the starter that you see off of there? Sandy Alcantara is such a good story for me because actually I was when I was announcing, PA announcing, in Illinois uh, minor league baseball, Sandy Alcantara was starting for the Peoria Chiefs at that time in the Cardinals organization. He's since moved on, obviously been traded now with Miami. But uh, yeah, it's fun to see him as an all-star uh, starting pitcher. Well, hearkening back to the 2017 Houston Astros, look at Joe Musgrove on there for Padres <laughs> and who he's become. Remember that man has a ring. He was traded at the trade deadline. <laughs> Good to see him in the All-Star game. So who do we go with? I mean, who's the starter there? And again, uh, uh, not a bunch of names that really wow you, besides Clayton Kershaw, I guess. That's, well, you hit it right there. That, that's who's going to start. You bring Clayton Kershaw out there. It's the Dodgers. It's Clayton Kershaw. You're going to have Otani, Battle of L.A. There's so much. You got to do it that way. Yeah, you got to do it that way. You got to send Kershaw out there. You got to have plenty of Dodger blue. Uh, Josh Hader, some of the familiar names in the in the reliever category. Um, you know, how do you see this game playing out? How do you see it ending up? A any early decisions? And then I want a home run derby pick from you because I know who I've got. I think the AL wins this by at least three runs. Let's say, let's say nine to five. Hey, I don't think it's close. I think there's going to be some – it's going to be high scoring. And as a winner of the home run derby, you know what? They let pool holes go out of champion. Oh, boy. <laughs> What's he gonna, <laughs> is he going to hit five? Is five going to win the whole thing? <laughs> no, I don't think he's got the stamina. It's so much about stamina, but you know what? Let, let, let's, I've been dogging on pool holes. And I mean, he is a modern-day legend, so uh, I'm gonna go with the let him let him go out. Let I'm him gonna go, go out with a few in orbit. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the National League. I'm gonna say it's a close game. I'm gonna say about nine seven. I'm gonna go with nine seven, and I'm gonna say Juan Soto ends up as the MVP in there. As far as the home run derby, I'm going with my man Schwarbs. I, th I think going with another uh, kind of portly guy. He's in better shape now. He's he's gotten in much better shape. But I could see Schwarber. Man's been on a mission. I, I could see him, you know, showing up big time. Well, 
is Dodger Stadium better for left-handers? Because Schwarber's a lefty. I picked a right-hander, so there'll be some – There'll be some debate here. Chavez Ravine. We'll see what ends up happening there. Before we get out of here on the Sports Cube, don't forget to make sure you subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Tell us you followed us, the whole deal. Thanks for listening, as always. One final thought, Texas Mike, before we get out of here. On this show, we've talked a lot about name, image, and likeness and the changing landscape of sports. The wheels of justice, they may be (laughs) slow, but they turn. In the case of Jim Thorpe, considered the best athlete of the first half of the 20th century. He finally got his 1912 gold medal reinstated for the decathlon and pentathlon. His two gold medals were returned. I guess it's deemed the $35 a week that he made playing minor league baseball for two years is not professional status athlete. Jim Thorpe's gold medals are back. Like I said, the wheels of justice may be slow, but they turn. There's hope for Shoeless Joe. (laughs) Justice for Jim Thorpe. We'll see what happens with Shoeless Joe. We'll see you guys next time here on the Sports Cube.